0: Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship weekly podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, So glad to be here with you this morning. It's a great day to be at Christ Fellowship. And I love being here on Sundays, no place I'd rather be. Um, I am from Southeast Houston, and so my heart is heavy this morning. Uh, my mom and, and brother are there this morning. My mom was going to come up and hear me preach this morning, but she was just like, there's too many people to help. And uh, so they're just, they're just going at it, ripping up carpet, you name it. Uh, it's tough work, but they, uh, the community really is... Uh, going strong. I, I have pictures of my, my church I grew up in. The sanctuary was literally like underwater. Like you could just see the tops of the chairs. Just crazy. Uh, but, but God is good. And, and his hope uh, is real. And I was, yes, I was one of those people over there yesterday uh, chatting with the, the evacuees and just uh, praying for them, showing them love. And so uh, there's power when we, uh, we care for people, when we love for people. We love people and we point them to Jesus. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series on the life-giving church. And I believe that that is what the church is meant to be. It's meant to be a life-giving place. And this morning, I want to specifically talk about what does Christ's life in the church look like? What is the reason why we gather here on Sunday morning? What's the purpose of the church? And then what does that look like lived out in actuality in our midst? I love preaching on the church because I love the church. I really do. I don't just say that I love the church because the church has drastically altered my life, It's drastically changed my life. Part of my story is that I grew up in a single parent household and my mom didn't know what to do with my brother and I, so she took us to church. And it was in the church that I found Jesus. I met him for the first time. I learned what it meant to walk with him. And I had other men investing in my life and showing me the way. I'm so thankful for the church. One of my favorite parts of the church is a little thing called summer camp uh, because summer camp is awesome and fun. And I got a little picture here of my brother and I at summer camp. Unfortunately, it's an old school photo with no, no iPhones back then. Uh, but the most important part of this photo is that blob back there, because that's probably why I'm still in the church, because I got to go on the blob every year. I was 69 pounds in seventh grade, no joke, 69 pounds, and I had a dude who was 200 pounds heavier than me blob me off that thing. <laughs> you can only imagine uh, what happened, uh, but I'm still alive. I'm still here today. I love the church, uh, but, but what's your story? Uh, how has God used the church in your own life, uh, and how has God used the church to show you himself? Or maybe you're in this room, and, and you need some healing, because... Uh, you've experienced some pain and some hurt in the church. And that's okay. I just want to say this morning that that's okay, that this is a safe place. And my hope is that as we leave this morning, that you would not only have vision for the church and how you can be a part of the church, but if you are somebody in this room who needs healing uh, because of something that's happened in the church, that you would receive that healing today. I believe that Jesus wants to restore you. Our main point this morning is that Jesus has invited us to participate in his eternal purposes by building a kingdom community known as the church. Jesus has invited us to participate in his eternal purposes by building a kingdom community known as the church. This morning, I want to answer two questions. Why does the church matter and what is the church called to do? I've broken up our message this morning into two, two segments, and I've got five points that I believe that uh, the Lord wants to reveal to us this morning as we open up the scriptures. If you'll turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter one, verse 22 to 23, we'll be jumping around the book of Ephesians so you can kind of flip back and forth as I, as I pop around. But these are what I would say kind of five pillars that I see as to why the church matters. The first being that the Jesus is the head of the church and the church is the body of Christ. So as we talk about the church, We have to understand that Jesus is the head. Verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The fullness. The church is the fullness of Christ in the world. Just think about that for a second. It's not just an idea that Jesus randomly thought up it wasn't just an afterthought for Jesus. No, Jesus wanted the fullness of his presence to be manifest in the world through the church. He echoes that in Colossians 1.18 when he says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. So the supremacy of Christ is demonstrated in the world through the church and then in into eternity because the church will... It, it will last into eternity, which is awesome. Man, I love that we are a part of something that isn't just for our time here on earth, but we're a part of something that's going to last into eternity. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of the eternal purpose of God in the church, and I hope you're encouraged to be this morning as well. Secondly, we see that the church is the bride of Christ. If you flip over to Ephesians 5, verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus is talking about this mystery and he uses the illustration of a a man and a wife. And if one of the best ways for you to love me is you want to love me, love my wife, right? You want to be my friend, love my wife. Because when you love her, you love me. And if you want, to, you want to love my wife, then, lo- then love me, right? Because we are one. We are linked. We are together. On the flip side, uh, if you hate my wife, then you are not loving me, right? That is not the way to love me, by hating my wife. If you hate me, you're not loving my wife, because we are one. We're different, but we're the same. In the same way, you can't love Jesus and not love his bride, the church, because they are one. They are linked. And so when you love the church, you're loving Jesus, and when you love Jesus, you're going to love the church, right? Because they are one. They are linked. Jesus has linked himself. And Jesus loved the church so much that he actually gave his life up for the church. Think about your own family. Think about your own spouse or the, per- the people around you that mean so much to you. They're so important to you. And the amount of affection and love and the willingness that you would have to sacrifice for them. That's the depth of love that I'm talking about here when we're talking about Jesus' love and affection for the church. I love the church, but Jesus loves the church more. Third point, I believe, as to why the church matters. The church matters because the church creates a dwelling place for the presence of God. Ephesians 2, verse 19 through 22 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and you are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So what's happening here? Well, what's happening here is Jesus is creating a people for his name and for his glory, and he's going to dwell among those people. He's saying, this is, I'm building you into a house that you are living stones and I'm going to come and dwell in your midst. Man, we, in the Old Testament, we had a physical temple, right? But in the New Testament, we have a temple that is the people of God. Together we come together and we create a, a place that hosts the presence of God. Man, that is incredible. That's why when we worship, that there's some, there's some, you, you feel the presence of God in this place. It's because we're walking out in God's purposes for the church. We are meant to be a place for the presence of God. I believe that church should be fun. I don't know about you, but I'm just, I just believe it should be fun. And, you know, adults will come to church for—I used to be a youth pastor, Okay. Uh, And so adults, I found, will come to church out of compulsion or a sense of obligation, but teenagers, they don't care, right? They're not coming to church unless it's fun and life-giving, unless their parents make them. Uh, But I believe church should be fun. Why shouldn't church be fun? When we think about heaven, right, the scriptures say that there'll be no more pain, no more hurt, no more suffering, no more sorrow, right? And so what what is the opposite of those things? Well, it's, it's joy, it's life, it's laughter, it's fun, it's creativity, right? It's freedom, it's peace, it's security. Man, that's what the church should look like. We are a glimpse of heaven for the world, right? They're looking at us and they're wondering, what is heaven like? We should show them what heaven is like. Jesus himself says, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is now, it's in your midst. Don't, it's not then and there, it's here and now. And so we are meant to be a people that are a picture of heaven for the world. You know, I I really don't like it when uh, people talk about how the next generation is leaving the church. But in some ways, I don't blame them because when they look at the church, they see something that's fake, exclusive, doesn't really care about the community, is aggressive, hypercritical. It's not very appealing, right? And so that's not the story that I want to tell right? And that's not the story we want to tell because we have a better story because the church is the hope of the world. There is no plan B. There's no plan B. This is Jesus. And so we have a responsibility to show the world what Jesus is actually like. And so our community should reflect what Jesus is actually like. And Jesus is alive and he's loving and he's happy. We serve a happy God. All right. Uh, and, and sometimes, man, I think we have to get out of our box that we put God in and what it looks like for him to work in our midst. We've got to let God be God and we've got to be who he's created us to be. I'm not talking about being irreverent. I'm not talking about disrespecting Jesus, the Prince of God, but I'm talking about reflecting his life to the world around us. We're called to flip the script. We're called to show the world that there is depth and authenticity in the church that there is life and joy. And there are people that really do care about others and care about walking and reality of, of what Christ has done for us. The kingdom is here and now. Fourth thing I want to point out this morning about the church and why the church matters is that the church is the vehicle through which God has chosen to proclaim this message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians five eighteen through 21 says, All this is from God The righteousness of God. When we look at the church, the church is a high calling. We're called to be the righteousness of God. We're called to be his ambassadors. We're called to be his diplomats. We are called to be his representatives to the earth. He could have chosen a whole, he could he had his choice, right? He could have chosen how he, uh, he had his choice about how he was going to display himself to the world, how he was going to reveal himself to the world. But for some reason, he has chosen the church. We are the church. That means we are the ones that are preaching a message of reconciliation that God is no longer angry at you. He is no longer wanting just to punish you. He loves you. And is there a consequence for sin? Yes, the consequence of sin is death. But the heart of God is that you would be reconciled to him. And so we carry that message of hope. I believe the world is hurting and they're looking for people to come to them and tell them that God actually loves them, that he cares for them. I don't know about you, But when I came to Jesus, I didn't have it all together. I wasn't all put together, but Jesus loved me in the midst of my junk enough to save me. Okay? And so in the same way, we are meant to to go to people and share with them how, hey, it doesn't matter where you're at now, Jesus can change you. He can transform you. He can make you new. And that's good news, y'all. We are the reconcilers for the world. We have a purpose that goes beyond Uh, What happens just in this room? Church has a high calling. And even when we don't feel like the righteousness of God, uh, we are, uh, because Christ has called us that. And so, you know, that means loving people that are in the midst of their sin. And guess what? That's what Jesus did for us, right? That's what Jesus did for us. He, He loves us in the midst of our sin, and we are called to do the same to the world around us. Fifth and finally, the church, why the church matters. The church is a part of the eternal purpose of God. Ephesians three ten through 11 says, now his intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the earth. He's chosen the church, and he chose it for a reason. When you think about every other business, every other organization, every other nonprofit, everything of this world, at some point it will pass away. And there'll be one thing that remains It'll be Christ and his church. The church is the one thing on this earth that has eternity in its nature, in its DNA. And so, man, we want to be a people. I want to be somebody that's linking myself and connecting myself to the church because of that. Man, what a high calling that we have as a church. The church can be defined as the people of God marked by the life, love, and joy, and mission of Jesus. This makes the importance of the church and a proper understanding of God's intentions for the church of utmost importance for us. And so I want to shift this morning, uh, given our understanding of why the church matters, to what does it look like for us what does it look like lived out in our midst? And I believe Acts two is a as we're walking through the book of Acts in this series. I believe uh, that Acts gives us a great model example. And we're saying, why not us? Why can't we live out the church life like we see in the in the book of Acts? Why not? Right. What's that? We have the same spirit—the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us, right? And so the same spirit that was at work then is here with us today. I really believe that. And so, uh, man, that shapes a kingdom culture in our midst. And so Jesus has ascended. He's he's he's, been—he's—he's crucified. He's resurrected. He's ascended into heaven, and now he's given the the apostles his Holy Spirit, and he says, "Okay, guys." I've been training you for three years. I've been preparing you for this moment. And now is the time for you to go and actually do this work of building the church. Now is the time for you to be the church to the world around you. So Peter preaches this amazing sermon in in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit falls and says 3,000 people got saved. That's a good sermon. I don't know about you. Uh, I haven't had any like that, but I'm hoping someday in Jesus' name. And it says everybody got saved. And then they all got baptized and then they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. What's left? I mean, not much left after that. No, there, there is something. There is more. And so they're gathered they're like, okay, so what do we do now? Right. We've, we've been saved. We've been baptized. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's time to be the church. It's time to work out what God has worked inside of us today. And so the church is, what, what has God worked inside of you? How has God worked inside of you? And the church is the context that God has created as, we, as, we, as we've seen in these scriptures for us to work that out. And this is a beautiful thing for us. And it's meant to be something of great passion. Man, I am passionate about the church because Jesus is passionate about the church. And I hope to stir your heart this morning to walk out God's intentions for the church. Open up with me to Acts two forty two through 44 as we continue this story in the book of Acts. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Man, this is a kingdom culture. This is a kingdom community. When Jesus preached, he said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's power in the church. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that there's power in the church to overcome the power of the enemy? Man, we have a powerful thing here together. And it's not a building. Uh, man, I, some of the most beautiful expressions of church that I've seen were out in the, in, in, in the Dominican Republic, just worshiping Jesus, you know, out on the dirt, in the ground, right? There's no nice, fancy... You know, lights and screens and all that, right? Because well, how would we do church if there was no electricity, right? Boom, church electricity out. How are we going to do it, right? We're going to go out there. Aaron's going to pick up his guitar, and he's going to start singing, and we're going to start singing together. And then James is going to get up, and he's going to preach, right? And we're going to have church. Man, that is what church is, right? It's not all this stuff here. All this, this serves a greater purpose of us being the church. They were devoted uh, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. I want to say a word on this is that it's important for us to be devoted to the Word of God. It's our North Star. It informs how we do life here. And it's our foundation. When I was a sophomore in high school, I finished reading through the Bible in its entirety for the first time. And I've continued to do that over and over and over again. Well, Micah, why did you do that? Man, something that was in me was like, I need more of God. And that was the way. You want more of God? Do you? Start, start reading your Bible. Open it up. Get after it. Get hungry, on your way to work, pop on the Bible app, he'll read to you, you know, or whoever it is, she, I don't know, Uh, you know, when when you're on the way home, you know, pop it on, listen to a podcast, right, get hungry for the Word of God. Uh, People ask me, Michael, well, how do I hear God? Well, I'm like, well, you start by reading the Word. Uh, You got to know God's character in his heart, right, who he says he is. That's the first step always the word of, and to the fellowship, okay? So it's devotion to the apostle teaching and to the fellowship. I always mess around with uh, some of my friends and people in the church say, yeah, we're going to do life together, right? okay? Basically, you're just going to do whatever you want, right? Yeah, but we're going to call it, we're going to do life together. It's like the church way of saying that. It's like, well, that's great, but man, fellowship is actually different, all right? Fellowship has a, has a purpose, and it's us coming together as a community around the person of Jesus. That's what sets fellowship apart. And the tool, the church is not just a tool for us to become a better Christian on our own. It's actually in the context of the church that we together become more like Christ. And that's hard for us to understand because we live in a very individualistic culture. You go overseas and that is very much not the case. And so unfortunately over the course of my life, I have seen friends fall away from the faith and fall away from the Lord. And I'm sure many of you guys have experienced that. It's a, it's a tragic thing. I mean, it's, um, it's just, it's heart-wrenching. It's heartbreaking. And you know what? what uh, is a co- common pattern that I've seen? Is that, uh, that they've it always starts with them disconnecting themselves from the church. It's kind of like the first domino to fall. If you ever watch National Geographic and you've seen a pack of lions hunting down an antelope or a Uh, you know, water buffalo or whatever they eat. Uh, They always, they don't just go after the whole herd. They always get one. And what do they do? Separate it from the rest of the pack. Because they know that if they can separate that animal, then they can just go after it and they can take it down. I feel the enemy is out to seek, kill, and destroy. He don't play nice, right? Guess what? He's after you. Newsflash. He don't like you he doesn't like the church. And so he's going to do whatever he can to separate you from the body of Christ so that he can go after When I'm having a bad day, when Rachel's having a bad day, we'll, we'll say, man, I'm believing some lies. Will you tell me who I am? Will you speak some truth into my life? Right? And that's what the church is meant to be. When you're down, when you're, when you're suffering, when you're, in a, when you're in trial, you need people around you to speak truth to you. So that you don't do something stupid because, of your, because you believe those lies that the enemy was speaking to you. We need the church. Don't go it alone. Stay in the fold. It's for your good, and it's for the good of your life and Jesus over the long haul. Second thing they did was they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Something about the dinner table humanizes people. It turns them from categories into human beings, from inconveniences into image bearers. You don't you don't laugh with your enemies, you laugh with your friends. Get people around your dinner table that look different than you. Someone from a different social class, different racial class, different economic class. Somebody you wouldn't normally initiate with because that's being like Jesus to people. Jesus went and ate meals with people that other people said, Jesus, you shouldn't be eating meals with them. But he understood the power of food and he used it to build the church. Let's use the church. Some of my, my best memories in the church and our outreach have, have included food. man. Food's a tool for the kingdom. Third thing is they devoted themselves to prayer. Don't pray unless you think it's gonna actually change something. Otherwise, you're just being religious. There's times to pray by faith, but man, when I pray by faith, I'm still believing that God is gonna do it. Man, God has called us to be a house of prayer. He's gonna build his people up through prayer. And so Jesus could have already done it all, but for some reason he's chosen to link his will on the earth to people praying. Will we be a people that pray? Will we be a people that seek the Lord, not just individually, but corporately? It's time for us to re-up when it comes to prayer to see things changed. When was the last time you identified something in your world that happened because you chose to pray? We need to testify when God answers our prayers. We need to share the stories of when God has responded when we have chosen to pray. I'm praying for Houston, and it sometimes in that can feel like such a big thing that my prayers aren't really going to make a difference. But you know what? Jesus said, just says to pray. So guess what? I'm going to pray and believe that my prayers are making a difference, even in a disaster of this scale. Fourth thing that we see in the body of Christ is that everyone was filled, verse 43, they was filled with a sense of awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. When was the last time you were in awe of God? It's important for us to recognize and remember those moments and to continue to be a community that pursues the awe of God, pursues the miracles and the power of God. I'll never forget, I was on a mission trip my freshman year at Baylor, and I'd never been on a mission trip. I'd never seen anybody healed. I just thought God healed the cancer. I sat down, I prayed for this, this teenager who had a big cyst on his hand. While I'm praying for him, the cyst went away. I can't explain it, I don't know what happened. But all I know is that dude was happy when I got done praying, right? If you get healed, you're happy. Trust me, you're happy. You don't care why or what happened. But And I was able to share the gospel and lead this dude to Christ. I haven't seen that very much, y'all. But guess what? That night, I laid in my bed and I was in awe of God. We serve a miraculous God. We serve a powerful God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. He's still at work today. And when I go, one of my favorite things on vacation is just go watch the sunset. If you've ever seen a sunset, you don't just see one sunset and say, like, you know what? I'm good. Like, I don't never need to see another sunset. <laughs> like, no, you like, it's over. And then you're like, you know what? I want to see that again. And it just never gets old. Man, when we see the glory of God, it never, it never gets old. It never gets old. It just leaves us wanting more. They were a community that wanted more. And fifth and finally, they were together and had everything in common. It doesn't mean conformity. It means that we're together rejoicing, together mourning, uh, rejoicing with those who, who, who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. That's what it means to be unified in the body of Christ. And you have a place this morning. I invite you to stand as we close our service today. My call for us this morning is that we would be the church and that we would be the church as we see in the book of Acts, that we would understand that the church matters, that God is calling us out of mourning and into rejoicing. He's calling us out of our sin and darkness and into life and righteousness. He's calling us out of flakiness and into devotion. He's calling us out of isolation and into community. He's calling us out of selfishness and into compassion. He's calling us out of striving and into a place of prayer out of a faithless normal and into a new supernatural normal, out of disunity and into unity. You have a place in the body of Christ. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? I believe that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. We are a part of the eternal purposes of God. And so where do you need healing this morning? Where do you need to be reminded of God's heart for the church this morning? And then what would it look like for you to live out these things of devotion to the fellowship or to the breaking of bread, to prayer, to the wonder of God, to the unity of the body? We have a part to play. You have a part to play this morning. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never put your faith in Jesus, your trust in Jesus, today is your opportunity to cross that line of faith, to say, Jesus, I love you. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be a part of your family. Just want to encourage everyone to close your eyes right where you're at. If that's you this morning, you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first. I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ. Just right now, with every eye closed, just raise your hand right where you're at. If that's you, you say, hey, I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. I want to accept Christ into my heart. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Put your hand down, hands down. Lord, I thank you for those that have said this morning that they want to cross the line of faith. And so pray this prayer with me. Lord, I, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sin, that you were resurrected on the third day, that I no longer have to be known for my sin, but I can be known for the righteousness of God because of what you've done for me. I believe in you today. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name. For everyone else in this room, we're going to close with a song of worship and prayer. I encourage you to ask the Lord, would you show me your heart for the church? Would you give me your heart for the church? Our prayer team is up here. If you need prayer for anything, come and get prayer. Let's worship Jesus together.